obedience on Tuesday nights, and Sunday has been talking about living a blessed life. But a blessed life doesn't always mean financially blessed. So we said Sunday, someone can come up to you and say, wow, look at your family. You're, you're so blessed to have them. It doesn't mean that you're so rich, but we're rich in so many other areas of our life. And to be blessed by God means to have the favor of God on us. As we go into Judges chapter 4 tonight, Barak was blessed in a way that we all need to be in our lives. He was blessed in an area of his life that he overcame the enemy. Now that to me is being blessed. That when you can overcome the enemy through God, you're blessed. But it's about your obedience that leads you into your blessings. It's about your obedience that will lead you to where God wants you. In Judges chapter 4, I'm not going to read it tonight, but I'm going to tell you a little story about Barak and Deborah. Deborah was one of the judges over Israel. She came to Barak and said, well, first of all, after Israel had gotten into the promised land, after Israel had gone through all these tests, all these trials, they get into captivity again because of their disobedience, because of their lack of faith. After seeing what God can do in their life, they still went back their same ways. It says that they continually went after evil, that their hearts were continually going after evil. I remember the times in my life, and a lot of us, that, that we go through things when we struggle trying to get close to God. We struggle in areas of our life. We see God do mighty things in our life, but we continue to go back to where we were. I was fighting with the world and with God. I knew what I needed to leave the world behind and follow after God. I saw the miracles that happened in my life. I saw the healings that happened in my life. I saw the financial blessings that had happened in my life. I saw so many things that were evident of God in my life. But I still kept falling back into sin. I still kept falling off the wagon, as you may say. But God was still there. That even when we leave God, even when we forsake God, he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He says he'll always be there. Even when the children of Israel decided to leave God after all the miraculous things he had done, he still came to set them free. He still came to redeem them again. So basically, Deborah, a prophetess, came to Barak and said, hey, is it not that the Lord has said for you to rise up with 10,000 men and go and conquer the people under Sisera? He said, you know what? He goes, I'm not going to go unless you'll go with me. He says, I'm not going to go 
unless you'll go with me. He's telling this to Deborah. He goes, I won't go unless you go. So Deborah goes, okay, you know what? She goes, I'll go. But you're not going to the one that's going to have glory over this victory. He says, she says, a woman will end up defeating Sisera. He said, okay, that's fine, as long as you'll go with me. Now, the thing is, back then, it wasn't just all about weakness that he needed her to go. What it was, was that when they went to war, they took along what meant the most to them. Their prized possession, something that was so dear to them, they take to war. And what this would help them do, if they had this, this thing that they loved so much with them, they believed it would help them fight harder. Because they could see what they were fighting for. They could see who they were fighting for. So when he takes Deborah with him, and I believe there was a spot in his heart that he didn't, it wasn't that he didn't believe that God could come through, but he didn't believe truly in himself. He didn't believe that if he went alone, that he would hear clearly from God. But he knew if he took this prophetess with him, that hears from God, that's where his faith was. I know we can win this if she comes with me. She'll be able to hear what God has in plan. She'll be able to tell us what to do, where to go. He had weaknesses in his own confidence in hearing God. As it goes on, it says that the enemy had 900 chariots of iron that brought with them. Back then, the chariots of iron were basically like big army tanks today. Can you see a man standing up to a big army tank? If we went against another country and it was just men standing there and a bunch of army tanks coming after us, hands down, who would win? Who would win? The tanks would overpower us tremendously. It says that Deborah and Barak had 10,000 men. It says the enemy had 900 chariots of iron, built out of iron, and it had a multitude of people with them. When you look up multitude, it means a great amount of people. So when they have 10,000 and they're looking at the enemy and they say, wow, they have a great amount of people with them. Think about how large this army was, how strong, how great this army was. So they go off, and it says that God leads them, the enemy, into a place that he wants them. Leads them to this place. This was by the river Kishon. Leads them there. Deborah rises and tells Brock, says, hey, get up, now's the time. Get up, come on, it's time for war. He gets up. They see in the physical eyes, basically that they've lost. Just like things in our life. A lot of times in our life, if we use our, our physical eyes to see things, we've already lost. We've done lost the battle. But what they did is they, they shut that part off and they realized who was on their side. 
they realized that this army looked huge. This army looked tremendous, looked like a great army, but they knew how much bigger their God was. They realized who was on their side and how much greater he was than that army they were going to defeat. They didn't look at their army compared to them. They said, God, if you've called us to do this and you've said we will defeat them, we have already won. There's no doubt about it that we've already won, God. If you've told us, if you've given us promises, then we know it will come to pass. How many of you guys understand God doesn't lie? Amen? God doesn't lie. So when you have situations come up in your life, when you have issues come up in your life, when you turn to this book and God says something, he will do it. Like we've been saying, if God says you are healed, you're healed. If God says that all things are possible through him, it doesn't mean just some things. It means all things are possible through him who strengthens you. It means that everything that you come into counter with in your life is possible, no matter what it is. The problem is in our, in our little minds and the little world we live in, we think that it's so big. We think that the things on the outside of here are so great. And a lot of times we do kind of as Barak did. He didn't have enough faith in himself. He didn't have enough faith in himself to make it through that war. He knew God can do it, but he didn't have enough faith that he could hear what God was telling him. So he brought Deborah with him. So what happens is they go out to fight right next to this river, right? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, it says, the clouds came in. It says, heavens began to dump out waters. It says, the rivers began to rise. As the waters poured out of heaven, the ground turned to mud, sinking mud. That the chariots, how heavy they are built of iron, the thing that they thought was going to be a strength against them that was their weakness because of how strong that army was ended up becoming a strength for them. Ended up becoming so much greater and so much more. Because a lot of times what we do is we look at the situation. We look at the problem and we begin to dwell on the problem. For some reason, when we look at a problem, we think the worst case scenario. Okay, I can't pay my house payment this month. I have a sickness. I have this. I have that. And we think of all these things that could possibly go wrong. We could lose my house. I could die. I, this, that. I don't have any food. I don't have any money. I'm not going to be able to pay my car payment. I'm going to lose my car, which is going to cause me to lose my job. If I lose my job, I lose my home, and I lose everything around me. But why is it that our mind works that way when we have a God that says all things are possible? We begin to start thinking like the world again. When we're accepted into the family of God, when we've become a Christian, accepted him in our lives, he said we're a new creature in him. 
He says we're somebody new in him and that we have the mind of Christ. If we believe we have the mind of Christ, how would Christ think? He'd look at the enemy and think of all the things that they could do to him. He'd look at the enemy and go, wow, I could do this to that enemy. God could come down and strike them with lightning right now. God could do so many things, but for some reason our mind begins to think of the worst case scenario. Our mind begins to think of all the horrible things that could happen to us. But if we'd start to switch our mind around into a spiritual aspect, if we began to switch our, our thinking into a mind of Christ, think about what we could begin, begin to do. Think about the church and where the church would go. Right now, we can't do so many things because we don't have any money. If we thought like Christ did, it doesn't matter. I'll feed everybody because God will supply. God will supply. If we begin to think like Christ, we can overcome anything. We can overcome any problem in our life. We can overcome anything that the enemy tries to attack us with. He'll try to attack you with your weakness. He'll try to attack you with things that in your physical mind look huge. Looks like you could never defeat. So what happens is this rain begins to pour. They begin to get sunk in the mud and can't go anywhere. Then it says that Cicero began to leave. He ran, he got out of his chariot, and he took off. The thing was, Barak thought he was still in one of those chariots. They began to kill each and every one of them, take them down, chariot after chariot, men after men. So not one was left. But where was their leader? He wasn't to be found. It says, later on, he goes into another town. He finds this tent. There's a lady there, jail. He goes into this tent. He goes, hey, here's the deal. First of all, I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water? She goes, okay. I'll give you some milk. Here you go. Take some milk, something even greater and better than water. He basically says, feed me. Give me a place to sleep. Give me a blanket. He goes, but here's the deal. If any men come and ask if you have a man in here, lie to them and tell them you haven't seen anyone. Tell them you haven't seen me. Next thing you know, he goes to rest. He lays his head down on the pillow and goes to sleep. It says, then she took a tent peg. I'm going to read this to you. And took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground. Think about that. She took a tent peg, drilled it into his temple, and it went into the ground. Well, it could be evil. <laughs> Sorry. But, but think about that. It says, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. It says, and then Barak pursued Sisera, and Jael came out to meet him and said to him, come, I will show you the man who you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with a peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin. 
the king of Canaan until they had destroyed the king. But because of his insecurities, the one that he was sent out to seek, the one that he was sent out to kill, someone else got the glory for that. Someone else was able to do what God technically sent him out to do. That Jael received the credit. But how great is it that a man like Barak, a man really of little faith in himself, that God can use so mightily, that God can use to help set free the Israelites, that God could use so strongly. I believe it was because he was humble. He was a humbled man. He didn't say, yeah, I hear from God. Sure do. But it was that he was, he was humble and he said, you know what, Deborah, I need you to come with me. I need to make sure I hear God's word. I need to make sure that when I go, I don't make any mistakes. I know God can speak through me. I know he can speak to me. But I need you in this one. It says that the Israelites during this whole time continued to sin. It says they never learned. In Genesis 8, 21, it says, The imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth. The imagination from your heart is evil from your youth. So the things that we think are evil thoughts from our youth, from when we begin thinking. But God loved the Israelites so much. He loved his people so much that he continued to deliver them. That it doesn't matter what you've done wrong in your life. It doesn't matter the sins that you've made. But God will continue to deliver them. Genesis 6, 5, it says, Then the Lord saw the weaknesses of a man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was before with the flood of Noah. It says, Isaiah 65, 3, A people who provoked me to anger continuously. That they continually provoked God to anger. That how many times in our life our disobedience provokes God to anger? Our disobedience comes against God. But I love the part that how great that army looked, how powerful they looked, became their weakness. Became their weakness. That sometimes we can go against something that looks so powerful, but it can actually become so weak. What it's all about is who's got God on their side. Who's got the greater power on their side? Because the thing is with a chariot of iron, obviously has weaknesses. But God, there are none. But with God on your side, there are no weaknesses.
So when we think back about Deborah, to be a prophet, how, you may say, how hard must that be to be a prophet that goes and tells a man to go to war? That, wow, to be a prophet and to be able to say something like that, you need to go to war. Hasn't God told you, go to war? That you think, wow, what, how great is that? But where I see the real strength in is being the man that can say, yes, I will go to war. Yes, God, I will do what you've called me to do. Yes, God, it doesn't matter how big the circumstance looks, how great it looks out there, God. It doesn't matter if all odds are against me. I'll stand up for you. I'll stand up for you. Who will stand up for God today? Who will stand up for God? The overwhelming odds that were against him. When your life looks under attack and it looks like there's no way out, there's no hope, there's no chance, that's when God wants to show his power. That's when God wants to say, watch the miracles I can do. If what kind of miracle would it have been if Barak had the chariots of iron? If Barak had the multitudes of men and the, the enemy was weaker? Who would have won, God or man? God likes to show and pull you out of the tough situations so he gets the credit. So that it builds your faith. So that it's not something that Satan come back and say, well, you could have done that without God. You didn't need him in that situation. No, it's when God says, all right, guys, this is the time for war. This is what I'm going to bring you through. You know, I had a, about a week ago, I was driving and this vision came to me. Yeah, I was driving in a vision. I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but I was still driving. Kind of like texting and driving, I guess. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> but there was this man... And he was laying there basically on his deathbed. I'm not saying this vision was from God. It was just something that came in my head. There was this man on his deathbed, right? The doctor said he was about to die. All the prayer warriors in the church began to pray. Everybody started praying for him. Oh, God, come through for him. Next thing you know, you see him go up to be with God. They look down on the prayer warriors, right? Visionists. They look down on the prayer warriors, and the doctors say, he's dead. We're sorry, we're proclaiming the man dead. And everyone stops praying. How many times does that happen? Oh, he died. We stop praying. When it looks like it's over, it's done with, we stop praying. It was almost like a, a video I was watching. Next thing you know, God basically shows the man of how little our faith is. It says just because a doctor proclaimed him dead, they stopped praying. Shouldn't be this the time that they pray even more and even stronger and even greater? The time that now I can show my miracle? Now that I can say, look, this was a miracle. He was raised from the dead. But why is it when the world says that it's over now, we give up? It's over now, we give up. Oh, there's a foreclosure sticker on my house. 
We got the letter today. It's over. God didn't come through. That was the time God wanted to come through. That was the time when God was able to say, now's when the miracle comes. Now's when it comes in. Nobody else can say that it was theirs, but I can say it was mine. That the man comes back down and comes back to life and looks at those prayer warriors and says, why did you stop praying? It wasn't over. It wasn't over. But think about your faith. Where is your faith today? Where is your faith at today? Do you stop praying when the world says it's over? Do you stop praying when the impossibility has supposedly come to pass? Do you stop believing when the army is against you saying it's over? Or do you say now is the time to push on? Now is the time to put my God to the test. Now is the time to bring all the stuff that I've been building up for, all the prayers, all the meditating in the word, everything I've done, now's the time to bring it forth. But us as Christians, we seem to give up right before our miracle, right before it was time to grab a hold of what God had for us. I'm telling you today that it's not too late to grab a hold of what he has. It's about obedience. It's about obeying the word of God. It's about believing that what he said will come to pass. That we have to get the maybes out of our head. We have to get the almost out of our head. We have to get the buts out of our head. That we begin to believe the word of God and what it says. And it says, it will come to pass that my God is not a liar. That he will provide for you. That he says, ask what you will and it will be given unto you. But it's about the obedience like we talked about last week. That we test the value of our meditation by the obedience which it results Obedience is a proof of holding things red. Obedience springs from faith and acceptance of our heart of the will and way of God. And lastly, obedience is the proof of your love. He says, if a man loves me, he will keep my words. Do you love God? Do you keep his words? Keeping his words means to have faith and believe what it says. Believe what the word of God says to step out in it. What if Peter would have never stepped out on the water? If he would have never stepped out of the boat, he would have never walked on water. It's that simple. If we never step out in faith out of the boat, we'll never see our miracle. Nothing will ever come to pass in our life. And that's when we come to the pastor and we say, I never see miracles. Nothing ever happens in my life. I never get to see any of the stuff you talk about. Sometimes I wonder if it's real. And I say, have you ever stepped out of the boat? Have you ever continued to walk by faith and not by sight? What are you walking on today? Are you walking on sight or are you walking on faith? It's about walking on faith and taking another step that you can't see. About taking a step that's not in front of you. About taking a step that the world would have turned and ran. Yeah. It's about stepping out into something greater. Stepping out into something more. It's about the power that you hold in your hands. It's about the power that says it's been given to you and placed inside of you because Christ who lives in you. That you have the power. Begin to step out and use it. Begin to step out and use it. One last thing before I close, or in closing. I went out shooting today, right? Went to the range. Shot a bunch of different guns. 
shot my 40 cal, shot a bunch of different things, and there was some power behind it. Some that looked like they had great power. Then I got to the point where I picked up the 44 Magnum. And just looking at the gun, you really don't realize the power it has. You don't realize the power that's in it. But, but technically that gun, as it just lays there, can do absolutely nothing. Can do nothing. But the power only comes when you pull the trigger. The power is seen when the trigger's pulled. But how many times will we get to the spot that it's time to pull the trigger and use God? We walk away in disbelief. We walk away in disbelief. But when you put that 44 Magnum out and you press the trigger, boom, the power that's behind it. The power that was instilled in it that nobody would have ever known unless the trigger was pulled. Unless the trigger was pulled. But it's about pulling that trigger tonight and the things that you've been waiting for for God to do in your life. You've been waiting for an answer. You've been waiting for deliverance, whatever it may be. It's about stepping out of the boat and walking on water. It's about pulling that trigger and saying, now is the time. Now is the time. I will no longer walk by sight, but I will walk by faith. Amen? I want you guys to repeat that. I will no longer walk by sight, but I will walk by faith. I will no longer walk by sight, but I will walk by faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, God. God, we praise you for who you are, Lord, and how great.